Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Book 10 of The Republic, Plato is providing us with an argument why we should distrust the poets and their products. Dramatic, epic, lyric poetry. You might say the cultural producers. And why is this? He's made several other arguments. And then at a certain point in the discussion, he makes one that has to do with the parts of the human soul. He's talked about this earlier in the Republic, beginning in particular in book two, but then discussing it in much more detail in part four. And the platonic conception of the soul, or if you prefer personality, is that there's really three main parts to it. One is the rational part, the logike in Greek, the part of us that engages in activities like reasoning, measuring, numbering, weighing, calculating. This extends not only to what we might call speculative or pure reasoning, to use a term that became quite popular in the modern period, but also even more importantly to practical reasoning, thinking about how we ought to behave, what is good and what is bad and why it's good or bad. And if we have conflicts between more than one good, how to work out those conflicts, how to arrange goods in a sort of a hierarchy or rank ordering. All of these matters fall under practical reasoning. And that's part of the activity of the rational part. This is also the part of us that has curiosity about the nature of the cosmos and how everything works and uses our reason or our intellect to try to understand these matters. Plato thinks that every human being has this, although in many of us, it may be short-circuited, it may be underdeveloped, it may be brought in only to be used by the other parts. It may be under utilized. So this is a very important part of us. This is the best part, Plato says, the highest part. It's the part that ought to be running the show. There are two other parts to the human soul, the spirited or sometimes translated as passionate part. This is the part with which we get angry. It's the part that's concerned about honor or social status and approval. The Greek word for this is thumos. It is, it is the part of us that gets riled up and it's a middle part. It's not quite at the level of the other desires and appetites. And it has a certain dignity, a certain value to it, but it's not the same as the, the rational part. It's not as good. And then we have the appetitive part. This is the lower baser part of our human nature driven for desires for physical pleasures, such as those of eating, drinking, being intoxicated, having sex, all of those sorts of things. It's also the part of us that gets driven to try to acquire as much money as possible. Why? Because money is an instrument by which we can actually indulge those pleasures. Uh, money is not pleasant in and of itself. I mean, if you do find money pleasant and you're passing up other pleasures, you've, you've really got your priorities mixed up as far as Plato's concerned. But even if you're just saying, I just want to have a good time, that is merely indulging the lowest part of yourself. And so all three of these parts are important. And Plato says that they have different roles and each of them has its own way of thinking about things. Each of them has its own distinct pleasures. 
So there's a pleasure in reasoning. There's a pleasure in social status. There's also physical pleasures in eating, drinking, having sex, laying around all these other indulgent matters. So what is the importance of this in terms of poetry? Plato says, let's think about matters that can appear different to us, like the stick going into the water. We know that the stick is not bent, but if we trusted only our eyes, if we trusted the realm of sense, then we would say that the stick is bent when it's in the water and it's not bent when we take it out. There's a kind of contradiction there, or, or at least conflict between the two different appearances. However, if we're reasoning, or if we're actually using, you know, Plato really likes these mathematical things of measuring, numbering, and weighing, or if we're engaged in calculation, then we can tell ourselves the stick is not bent. Similarly, to use another example, the sun is not about this big, it's gigantic, but our senses can't tell us that. Our senses can only tell us what they perceive, and our senses are, are quite often wrong about that. We can say similar things with our emotions and many of our desires, that they are contradictory. They don't remain constant. They give us mixed messages, you can say. So Plato says different parts of the soul do different things. Now, here's the fundamental question. Which parts of the soul does mimetic production, imitation, poetry, the other arts, what is it that they appeal to? Well, you know, if we think about visual arts, it's very easy to say that they appeal to this lower part of us. They're not engaged in calculation. As a matter of fact, they can depict things to us as very different than they are, right? Think about painting and the effects that you can produce by monkeying around with perspective, right? Photoshop nowadays is, is a way in which we can do that as well. Or think about the effects that you can get with different lighting. Think about what you can do in, in movies or other narratives with the soundtrack. Now, when you're doing that, are you appealing to the rational part or are you appealing to these other parts? Plato would say you're tapping into these other parts of the soul. And he has a criterion that he brings up here that's quite important. He says, it's impossible for the same thing at one time to hold contradictory opinions about the same thing. So a human being can hold contradictory opinions. How is that the case? Well, our rational part tells us one thing, and then our spirited or appetitive part tells us another thing. We can just say higher and lower parts as Plato does here. Poetry tells us the messages about things and their appearances that appeals to the lower parts. So he's got a very interesting metaphor here. He says, mimetic poetry imitates human beings, right? And we can go on and on with this. And he says that mimetic art is an inferior thing, cohabitating with an inferior. What is the inferior? The lower part of the soul and engendering inferior offspring. So Artwork, poetry, music, all of these things that are essentially not philosophy or not science or not something that's based on actual knowledge and, and engaging our intellectual part is all within this realm and is continually generating new illusions, new sleights of hand, new forms of, to bring up another art, jugglery, right? That he's talking about. So... He gives you an example, and besides the crooked stick, this is a very interesting example that he uses. So when we feel grief 
or sadness. What is going on? He says, is a man in all of these sorts of things, when they feel things, of one mind with himself? Or is there faction and strife? Do they hold contradictory opinions about the same things at the same time? Is there a division within the human being, him or herself? So what's an example of this? He says, when a good and reasonable person experiences a stroke of fortune like the loss of a child, how should we, in fact, take that? Well, we have different options. One is we can lose ourselves in grief and say, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. And that is in fact what this part of the soul is going to suggest. And that's what the imitative arts are going to depict. Think about paintings, doing that, movie scenes. Think about all these dramatic scenes within Homer's Iliad and Odyssey. One of the things, by the way, that I actually like about Homer's work is that he's perfectly willing to follow the cultural norms of his own time and to show grown men, tough men, crying over the loss of their comrades. Whereas we often give the message, you shouldn't cry, right? You should have this toughness instead. Big guys don't cry was the motto when I was growing up. Both of those points of view actually would fall into this lower category, however. They can be in contradiction with each other because they're both wrong from Plato's perspective. Why? Because if we're thinking about things rationally, we don't actually know enough about life, he says, to be so absolutely convinced that dying young is a terrible thing. And he also says the law and moral norms suggest to us that we should remain self-controlled. That's different, by the way, than the toughness that's, you know, stuffing everything down and preventing us from showing our emotions by hiding them. So he says that the parts of the soul that are actually going to be better for us to follow, they're not engaged by imitative poetry. So this has some very important implications that we can then explore. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.